I am the good shepherd, Jesus says in our gospel reading this morning. We looked at the first 10 verses of this same chapter, chapter 10, a few weeks ago. And maybe you remember how already in those verses, Jesus was talking about sheep, about a flock of sheep as an image of God's people. He said, then I am the door of the sheep, the door by which the sheep come into the sheepfold, meaning the only door by which God's people can enter into salvation. And now immediately following after that section about the door come these verses in which Jesus gives us another I am statement, another image, still sheep-themed, by which to understand who he is. I am the good shepherd, he says in verse 11. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, if you were putting together a job description for a shepherd, how would you describe the job? I think I would put something like this. The shepherd must take care of the sheep, must lead them out to pasture and then back into the sheepfold, must try not to lose any sheep if possible. I think that's about it. Those would be my pretty modest expectations of a shepherd. But Jesus is the good shepherd, he says, the shepherd who goes above and beyond any other in his care for the sheep. He contrasts himself with the hired hand, the person for whom shepherding is just a job. Listen to how he describes that hired hand in verses 12 and 13. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. That's sort of fair enough, isn't it? The hired hand doesn't own these sheep. They don't belong to him. At the end of the day, he doesn't especially care about them. He cares about getting a paycheck, and so he's willing to act like he cares about the sheep during work hours, but he cares nothing for the sheep in themselves, right? And so when the wolf comes and he has to choose between his own safety or that of the sheep, it's a no-brainer. He's not getting paid enough for this, right? Uh, Sorry, sheep, but you're on your own. And if I understand this passage correctly, Jesus is not really complaining about the behavior of the hired hands. He's just saying, this is how a normal person would act. If the sheep aren't yours, then of course you wouldn't care enough about them to defend them with your own life. Now we do hear in the Bible about a different kind of shepherd. Way back in the Old Testament. Maybe you remember how King David, before he was a king, was a shepherd. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we read that when David was taking care of his father's sheep, and a lion or a bear would come and take one of the sheep, he would go after the beast and kill it and save the sheep. I have struck down both lions and bears, David says in that chapter. Pretty impressive, right? That's not not bad. But notice that David was not a hired hand. No, these were his father's sheep. That's why he cared, right? David had a personal stake in the survival of this flock. These were his father's sheep. Maybe one day they would be his sheep. And so he cared what happened to them, enough even to put his own life in some risk. 
I think David was probably pretty exceptional, even among family business shepherds. I think probably a lot of sons would not risk their lives even to save their father's sheep. David seems like an exceptionally good and committed shepherd. But friends, Jesus is an even better and even more committed shepherd than David. Because Jesus is the good shepherd who doesn't just risk his life for the sheep, but who lays down his life for the sheep. When David fought with a lion or a bear, there was a good chance that he would get hurt or maybe even killed, but there was also a chance that he would beat the animal and survive, right? But what Jesus did for his sheep was beyond that. When Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world, taking on flesh to be and to live as a human being, he was not just accepting a risk of death. He was knowingly going to his death. He was accepting the certainty that he would be tortured to death by his enemies. The certainty that he would die shamefully, naked, bloody, alone, on a criminal's cross. Remember, we're talking here about the eternal, immortal, almighty Son of God. He could if he had wanted to, have stayed far away from all that. He could have stayed in heaven, enjoying the perfect peace and the infinite glory that are his by right. But instead, he chose to lay down his life. Why? For his sheep. I am the good shepherd, he says. What an understatement, Jesus. Because what kind of shepherd would do that? Die for his sheep. This shepherd is going above and beyond. Why does he care this much? Why would Jesus, the Son of God, lay down his life for us? Well, I think this passage tells us it's because he knows us and he loves us as his own. Listen to what he says next in verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd, he says again. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. That's why Jesus lays his life down for us. Because he knows and loves his own. I know them, he says. And I'm saying he knows and loves us. Because look at the kind of knowing, the kind of knowledge that he's talking about here. I know my own and my own know me just as my father knows me and I know my father. Friends, do you understand how astounding that comparison is? That's not a normal thing to say. Jesus knows us and he allows us to know him in the same way that he and his father know each other? That's incredible. Maybe you have a really good friend about whom you'd say something like, we've known each other forever. That's a special kind of friendship, isn't it? Well, Jesus and the Father have literally known each other forever. 
Jesus and the Father have known each other since before time began. Since before the universe was created. In fact, the creation of the universe was something that they did together. So are the Father and the Son close? Yeah, that's an understatement. In verse 30 of this same chapter, Jesus will drop this theological bomb on the crowd. He says, I and the Father are one. They're one. That's right. The Father and the Son, with the Holy Spirit, are one God in three persons. Eternally existing in a perfect unity and fellowship of mutual knowledge, mutual love, and mutual delight. That's how Jesus and the Father know each other. And Jesus is saying that he knows and is known by us, his sheep, in that way. In such an intimate and loving and full way that it can even be compared to the most perfect kind of knowing that exists. The knowing between the persons of the Holy Trinity. Wow, that is incredible. Jesus loves us and knows us with a knowledge and a love that's infinitely more than we creatures could ever imagine. And it's infinitely more than we sinners could ever deserve. And it's because he knows us and loves us like that, that he's willing to lay down his life for us. In the earlier part of this chapter, in verse 3, Jesus said that the good shepherd calls his own sheep by name. And I want to emphasize this, that Jesus doesn't just know and love his sheep in general as a group, that too, but he knows and loves each sheep by name. Jesus knows and loves you by name. He knows us each. And it's not just that he knows everything about us. That's true too, of course. It's that he knows you. He knows you as someone infinitely dear to him. You are on Jesus' mind. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Did you know that? I think that's not just something nice to say. It's true. That's a theological truth. Jesus is never not Mindful of you. He's God. And God is very good at multitasking, to put it mildly. That means that none of his people ever has anything less than God's full attention. When you pray to God, I wonder, what do you imagine is happening in heaven? Do you imagine that an angel is approaching God and saying, "Uh, Excuse me, sir. Christian number 289783 is on the line again. Uh, Do you have time to take this right now? Oh, uh, which one is that again? Uh, Can you give me the case history? Oh, yeah, this one with all the problems. Uh, No, it's not like that. It's not like that. When you turn to God in prayer, God already is looking at you. God already has been paying attention to you the whole time. He knows what's going on. He knows what you're going to say. He knows you. And he's ready all the time for you to come to him. That's the kind of relationship you can have with God because of what Jesus has done for you.
He laid down his life so that you could know and be known by God in that way. He knows us. He knows his own. And because he knows us and calls us by name, we come to know him. And again, the knowledge we're talking about here, it doesn't just mean knowing things about Jesus. It means knowing Jesus himself. Knowing him as our dear shepherd and savior and friend. Think about what it means to say that a sheep knows its shepherd. Of course, there's all sorts of things that a sheep doesn't know about the shepherd, right? The sheep probably doesn't know what the shepherd's favorite color is or um, his social insurance number or anything like that, right? That doesn't matter. That's not relevant to their relationship. What matters to the sheep is that the sheep knows this is a person I can trust to care for me. This person takes me to green pastures every day. This person doesn't run away when the wolves come. They stay and defend me. This person's voice, when I hear it, I know that I should follow him because he's taking me somewhere good. That's what it means to say that the sheep knows the shepherd. And the same thing is true for us, right, with respect to our knowledge of Jesus. There's some things we don't know about Jesus. Did he really wear his hair long like in all the pictures? How tall was he? I don't know. There's some things we don't know about him. But you do know what's most important. You do know what's relevant to your relationship with him right now. You know that Jesus is the Son of God who came into this world to lay down his life for your salvation. You know that he rose from the dead, that he is alive today to care for you. You know that through him you've been justified, made right with God, and that because of him you can go to God anytime to get the grace and help that you need in your time of need. And you recognize his voice. You know that he speaks to you in his holy word. And that when he does, you had better listen and follow for your own good. Because everything that he does and everything that he says is for your good. Because he loves you. That's what we know about Jesus, right? Because he has called us by name and drawn us to himself... He has made himself known to us in that way. I know my own sheep. I know them each by name and they know me. But now check this out. This is where Jesus goes next in verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock One shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. And the good shepherd gathers his sheep. Jesus gathers his sheep together. Because not all of his sheep are here yet. I said a minute ago that Jesus knows each person in this room by name. And that's true. But guess what? There's other people that he also knows by name. They're not here yet. He has sheep that belong to him but aren't yet in the fold. And he will not rest until they too have been brought in. 
As Jesus spoke these words long ago to a Jewish crowd, he was no doubt reminding them that God's desire was not only to save faithful Jews, the sheep who are already in the fold, as it were, but to save for himself a great multitude of every nation and tribe and tongue of humankind, to make all of these Jews and Gentiles together into one holy people, one flock. And as Jesus speaks these words to us here today, he's no doubt wanting to draw our attention to the fact that that great purpose of God is still underway. It's still happening. There are still many, many sheep who need to be brought into the flock. In our neighborhoods, our workplaces and schools, on the streets of Windsor and Bell River and LaSalle and everywhere else, there are still more sheep that belong to Jesus. Most of them don't know it yet. They would be quite surprised, in fact, for someone to tell them that. They don't know Jesus yet, but Jesus already knows them. Jesus knows his sheep. He knows them and he will call them by name. And when they hear my voice, he says, they will listen. Jesus' confidence here is amazing, isn't it? They will listen to my voice. And Jesus' confidence can be our confidence, too, as he sends us out week by week to be witnesses to him in this world. When he calls them by name, they will listen to his voice. They will. God knows that they will. Everyone whom God has chosen from before the foundation of the world to belong to Jesus as his own will be brought in to the flock. That's a promise of God. It cannot fail. I must bring them, Jesus says. Meaning, I can't not bring them. I must, I will. And astonishingly, Jesus chooses to accomplish this chiefly through us. Through our witness to him. That's the normal way that the scattered sheep come into the flock where they belong. They meet another sheep who tells them about the shepherd. That's how it worked for you, isn't it? Maybe a parent or a Sunday school teacher or a friend or a colleague or some stranger on the radio or at the mall. I don't know how, but somebody told you about Jesus and you believed in him. And this passage is telling us that every time a conversation like that happens, every time someone hears about Jesus and believes in him, that's Jesus at work. That's Jesus calling his own to himself by name. What drew you to Jesus was not the evangelistic skill of the person who was telling you about him, right? No, it was the voice of Jesus speaking to you. It was the voice of Jesus calling you by name that drew you to himself. And likewise, brothers and sisters, when Jesus scattered sheep out there, see and hear our witness to him, they will be drawn to him. Not to us, but to him. Not because of us, not because we say and do everything correctly, but because even through our flawed, imperfect witness to him, Jesus will make his voice heard. And his sheep will listen. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, 
The good shepherd knows his sheep and the good shepherd gathers his sheep. And in all of this, Jesus shows us the Father's love for the sheep. That's how Jesus ends this passage. That's the last point with which we'll end this sermon. That everything he's been talking about comes not only from him, but from the Father with whom he is one. Listen to Jesus in verses 17 and 18, the last verses of our passage. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus lays down his life, he says, of his own accord. Nobody takes it from him. Nobody is making him do this. If you're not paying attention, it might seem that way, right? It might seem like Jesus loses his life because his enemies get the drop on him. But no, he's telling us here, I'm going to the cross on purpose. I'm doing this of my own accord. And why? Because that's the charge he has received from his Father. Friends, God has one will, one eternal purpose. And just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God with one divine being, so they also have in common this one divine will. And the object of that will is this, to give life to the sheep. You heard Jesus say it last time we were in chapter 10, in verse 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's why Jesus came. That's why the Father sent the Son to become incarnate by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the will of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is that we may have life in Him. That's the will of God. But Jesus is the incarnate Son of God. That means without ever ceasing to be God, He became at the same time a real human being. There's only one Jesus, of course, but because of the incarnation, that one Jesus has both everything that belongs to God's being and also everything that belongs to human nature, to being a human. And that means that Jesus had both the divine will we just talked about and also a human will. Stay with me if you can here. Now, would one human being really ever lay down his life for another? Maybe, right? It happens sometimes. Maybe if you were really, really brave, and maybe if that person was really, really special to you or really deserving, maybe you would lay down your life for someone. But it's a pretty rare thing, isn't it, to find a human being who would do that. Most of us are more like those hired hands mentioned at the beginning of this passage. Uh, The first sign of serious danger, we would flee. We have that powerful human instinct for self-preservation, to save ourselves. But Jesus had that same instinct for self-preservation. Remember, in his incarnation, he became a real human being. He has all the same human nature that you and I have. 
but without sin. So Jesus shows us what a perfect human being looks like. And nowhere more clearly than when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his arrest. Many of you know this story. Jesus is in great agony because he knows that in just a few hours he will be arrested, then condemned, then killed on the cross. He's in such great distress that he's sweating big drops of blood. He's in great agony. That's the human will, right? The human instinct for self-preservation. On that level, Jesus does not want to die. He wants to survive. And he cries out to God, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You can hear it there, right? How Jesus, the sinless human being, submits his human will to the will of God. That's human nature done right. As intense as his instinct for self-preservation is, as intensely as he's feeling, I want to save my own life, his trust in God's will is even stronger, even more foundational than that. That's what it looked like for Jesus to lay down his life for the sheep. It was not easy. It was the hardest thing that any human being has ever done. But he did it of his own accord. And the Father loves him because of it. The Father loves that Jesus did this for us. Because he exercised his authority as the Son of God to carry out the charge that had been given to him by God the Father. To die and rise again for us. For our salvation. The whole life of Jesus Christ. From his conception in Mary's womb. To his death on the cross. To his resurrection and glorious ascension. Even up to his present reign in heaven. And his coming again. His whole life expresses the Father's will for us. That one divine will and loving purpose of God. Jesus lives and gives his whole life. For the sheep. For you. And the Father and the Spirit delight to see him do it. Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life for us. He knows us as his own. He calls us by name and gathers us together into his one flock. And in all of this, he shows us God's perfect loving will toward us. So let us also then delight in him, rejoice in him, and love him for what he has done. And trust in him as our good shepherd now and always. Amen.